everybody and welcome back to the esports forever podcast my name is ryan b hebert alongside jacob schrader today we've got some exciting nft crypto and esports news but before we start off a word about our sponsor of course thank you ryan and our sponsor is emp money for this podcast and for our upcoming esports tournaments this weekend next weekend and even further after that emp money is an awesome gamified crypto staking platform the emp token is pegged to the price of ethereum at a four thousand to one ratio so if ethereum is four thousand dollars emp is just about one dollar uh, it's a really awesome platform built from the source code of tomb money or tomb finance uh, tomb has about 500 million locked emp is new but they have grown since we've started working with them from about three million to 13 million uh, they have some kind of revolutionary features that go beyond what Tomb provided to the staking kind of community. And they have what's called a detonator contract, which is kind of a gamified lottery, um, but also a daily trip staking protocol, which is awesome and you know basically provides a lot of security for the protocol as well. So we're going to be giving away EMP money tokens or EMP tokens throughout the podcast today, throughout tournaments uh, that are coming up. And if you're into crypto staking or want to learn more about it, you should definitely check out EMP Money. Uh, I'm going to link the website right here in the chat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob. Yeah, folks, be sure to go check out EMP.money. A lot of fun. If you're big into crypto, big into Ethereum, it's definitely the token and the, uh, the fun little project to check out for you. Now, moving on to our topics for today, there are a lot of exciting things happening uh, this past weekend, especially the beginning of this week. And so I wanted to start off talking about Elon Musk. Now, not specifically about Tesla or anything like that, because this is an NFT, crypto and esports focused podcast, but more so specifically that, you know, Twitter is a really important social media platform for the crypto and NFT space and even even the esports space as well. It's where I follow along the Pokemon community. It's where people follow the Smash community. Uh, all of these different games revolve around Twitter, which, you know, has a, has sort of like a real-time aspect to social media, whereas, you know, Facebook or Instagram, sometimes you don't know when stuff has been posted, and all of a sudden you're looking at a post from like three days ago, maybe three minutes ago. You don't know. Twitter, you can update, you can update your feed, and boom, right there you see tweets that are being given to you literally that second of that day at that time. It's really great. Well, Elon Musk put out a poll uh, this past weekend or, uh, or later last week asking his Twitter followers whether or not they believe that Twitter is a platform that believes in the use of free speech and advances uh, basically like these these like the ethics around like free speech and not censoring people. 70% uh, of people in that poll said no. And Elon Musk, funny enough, was like, yeah, please vote carefully. Uh, the, this poll has uh, implications for the future. Well, those implications turned out to be a minority share in Twitter. And as of this past Monday, it was revealed that Elon Musk is now a, a minority shareholder of Twitter with about 9.2-9.3% of all total shares. An individual, might I say, owning this much of Twitter and also hinting at the possibility of starting his own platform. So if I was a minority shareholder in a large company like Twitter wanting to start up my own platform, honestly, this is probably the perfect way to like try to get some like ideas or some type of entry into creating a new platform because 
look how much pull Elon Musk has on Twitter alone. And well, at the very end of it's today, crazy. we're going to talk about that, the, the, the Musk effect, that sort of stuff. And we'll talk about like shit coins, that sort of stuff and how those are, those are skyrocketing again, uh, <laughs> simply due to the fact that Elon has like become a minority shareholder in Twitter. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but what I wanted to mention here is, it's. I think it's pretty smart to be a minor, minority shareholder in Twitter and then maybe go and start your own social media platform for the future because it's always good to get some experience first and something else. What do you think? He's dabbling yeah. in ownership. I don't know if he's going to start his own platform after buying, you know, 9% of Twitter. You know, if, if he's trying to start his own platform, he's kind of trying to take down Twitter. So I think he's, you know, basically going to use his board seat that he's, he's acquired from Twitter and basically use it to push, you know, further free speech. I think he loves Twitter, actually. I think, I think Twitter's great. I think the fact that it's become kind of the de facto place for live news, right? Whenever I need something that's right now, I go to Twitter. You know, for me, it's generally like, you know, in, in a football game, if someone gets injured, right, and they cut to uh, ads, I want to figure out, is this guy coming back? You know, I'm like an avid fantasy footballist and, you know, all, all things football, but, you know, as well as if I, you know, want to see free agency news, if I want to hear about anything that happened now in the sports world, in the tech world, in the crypto world, it's all right on Twitter. Uh, I think Twitter is such a good platform. And, and it's crazy, really, how much they've progressed from five, 10 years ago or eight years ago. It used to just kind of be a shit posting site where people would, you know, be toxic and say whatever they wanted because it was Twitter. And now it's been endorsed by so many high profile figures. It's really the most kind of legitimate social network uh, to LinkedIn, but it's kind of also got a trendy, you know, social currency integration through, you know, they've got the NFT profile pictures. Now they've got, you know, your, your follower count. That's important. Uh, it's it, Twitter is a really good platform. It's really set up to succeed. And I think Elon buying, you know, a stake in it is just going to push it higher. I used to never understand how Twitter worked. It was so confusing to me, Jacob. And it's like, Ryan, how could Twitter be confusing? And if you're a new user, heading onto Twitter and being like, okay, how does this work? It's not so simple. I'll tell you, many years ago, I, I tried to become a Twitter stan, and I just couldn't do it. And, uh, well, here we are years later, and that, that could not be farther from the truth. I am always on Twitter, love Twitter, love the Twitter scene, and especially for advancing NFT, crypto, and esports. It is one of the most progressive social media platforms to do so. Instagram, you know, it's great that I can see some beautiful pictures, but, uh, you know, I could see beautiful pictures on Twitter too, and then I can keep scrolling with ease. With Instagram, it's it's clunky. You know, Facebook yeah. is, a, is, a, is a great site. It has been for a long time. But the fall of Facebook is partially due to the fact that they have so many features built into the same freaking site that everything is just buried under one another. And, you know, I think Twitter at times has been at risk of doing the same thing. But as of late, they've done a really good job kind of keeping away from that. Last year, they had like a stories feature on Twitter and it was it was uh, it was called Twitter Reels. And, you know, it was, it was rarely used. People made fun of it. And then, you know, as it was being taken away, people, you know, people took for granted. Uh, just how funny Twitter Reels actually was, and so you know, for people to lose that, they were like, "Wow, this was actually, this was actually a lot of fun to use on Twitter." But uh, I guess we didn't really need it, you know. It was yeah, just... Twitter—they really have everything, 
right? They've got the text, they've got the video, and they basically took Clubhouse down. I think we've talked about this a little yeah. bit, how Clubhouse was like such a niche product where it just didn't serve longstanding utility. And as soon as Twitter came out with Space, it was, it was like, you know, Clubhouse is done. Exactly. You can't you can't accurately search up a space on Clubhouse because it just brings it, it, it just it wouldn't allow me to find stuff that I was actually interested in. You know, you would think that I could type in a keyword, right, and find a title that had that keyword. But no, no, it, it bring me to some doctors in Africa that were talking about malaria or something like that. And I, I was like, what is going like? And I know that sounds random, and it, but it's like that's that's what it was. That's what it is. At least that's how it was before. It was just completely randomized on what you would be listening to, unless you know, unless it was like a super popular uh, clubhouse. And I'm like, I don't always just want to hop into the trendiest clubhouse space because it's there. That's not that's not what I'm looking for. Anyways. Twitter definitely has dominated the the space scene, and even for us, you know, with Sense Sports here, our NFT project that we launched just last week, we've held a few AMAs over uh, Twitter Spaces with uh, Crypto Lonnie, and really, it's been fa a fantastic opportunity to be able to to go on there and talk to people and share ideas, and it's just great. It's 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 a step beyond text, right? It's an evolution of social media, sharing ideas, meeting with people. You don't have to do it in person. You don't have to do it over a phone call necessarily. It's it's kind of you know, it's a big group call. So, anyways, moving moving beyond this, we'll we'll get back to this topic of Elon Musk at the end. Uh, but number two happens to be one of my favorite topics that we've brought up before. It is finally here today: the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. After many delays due to COVID and the studio not wanting to rush the game. All nine movies with DLC character packs and more have been finally redone and added into what is dubbed the Skywalker Saga, brought to you by Lego, Lego Star Wars more specifically. This is a huge game. The complete, uh, the complete saga, was, which featured all six movies, was a classic game for the PS3, Xbox 360, even the Nintendo Switch. Basically, every console has rocked these Lego games left and right and for for something of this caliber and scale to come out it's pretty big we actually checked on twitch before this how many viewers there were today for lego star wars and it was about forty-five thousand people watching lego star wars right now i gotta be honest for a lego game that's pretty good yeah uh I, that was my game i used to play with my sister growing up I actually took a look at some of the gameplay. It looks pretty good. I am 100% going to have to play it later. Um, who knows when I'll have the time. And I have a feeling, you know, it, it's it's a $60, uh, you know, premium game title. But, uh, geez, I used to play that game so much. It's actually really exciting. It's going to bring back a lot of memories. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, man. I, I think it's going to be a, a great, great opportunity. A lot of fun. It's a game that a lot of people play, no matter... Who they were, guy or gal, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, people of all ages played this game, and a lot of people really think fondly of it. And I know that they've added like a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of jokes and stuff like that from like modern Star Wars kind of into the game. So you know, Lego Lego games sort of have this bit of like whimsical charm to them, where they do. You know, they they take the seriousness of the movie and then they kind of flip it on its head. And they're like, okay. 
well, we're, we're going to make a funny joke here because, you know, these characters aren't real. They're Lego. And so, you know, something blows up in a certain way or a character does something in, in, in the Lego game that maybe they wouldn't do IRL or in the movie itself. And it's just like it catches you off guard. It's funny. It's, you know, it's it's just it's the definition of like a Lego game. So to speak. I think you hit it on the head there with the whimsical charm right that the lego characters produce it's it's really like a different kind of game where it's so low intensity it's just fun it's just about bonding with whoever you're playing well with. low intensity but, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but there are a few levels in that lego star wars that uh are not low they will have you sweating they will have you stressed and overall just uh you know good luck racing in the pod race level okay oh i remember the pod race the pod race level and then i think there's like uh there's like uh like in space level two and trying to destroy the death star and yeah there's a count dooku one too yeah so i actually i have a funny story i would you know when i was growing up i played a lot of hockey and i was friends with you know one of my teammates his mom actually that their family owned part of the new york giants uh so you know we always used to hang out at his house we used to play lego star wars and i was lucky enough he invited me actually to a party they were having at their house for the game where you know david tyree made the helmet catch uh like the craziest one of the craziest sports games ever uh-huh. and all we did that entire time was just play lego star wars together oh uh, i remember that's what we did and i went upstairs we went to get food and i still remember there was like a thing of steak and i just grabbed like a piece of steak with my hands and the dad you just started cracking up and we just ran back downstairs and kept playing Lego Star Wars. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those games that has just such a good sentiment. It's just so, you know, uplifting to play Lego Star Wars with a friend. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to play it. Me as well, Jacob. I hope to get it pretty soon. But it's rare, right, that a $60 game in 2022... And even even a ninety dollar, eighty dollar game with uh, the collector's edition, deluxe edition, right? People are still dropping big money on on games that are co op, single player, that sort of stuff. And it's not, you know, it's not a free to play full of uh, like, you know, uh, DLC and monetization features. It's just like, yeah, here's the base game. You can buy some DLC. It follows an old model of of games, but. Uh, it still works. I hate to say that it's an old model, uh, but that's sort of what it feels like. Yeah. You know, but I think that model will stay, right? We're seeing that with games like Elden Ring. We're seeing that with this Lego Star Wars game. You know, if the campaign is good enough, you know, you can sell a a $60 title and you can sell $12 million copies Mm -hmm. like Elden Ring did, right? It's not dead. People do, you know, some portion of the video game consumer base prefers the free-to-play model uh you know that free-to-play model bodes well for competitive games because those who compete don't really spend a ton of money but then you know the the publishers make money on the kids who love the skins and love the art and love the environment that the games create um so it's interesting i think we'll see kind of a fragmented ecosystem Uh, i do think the 60 dollars titles will still be here uh in in the coming years i don't think it's like you know, de facto, everything shifts to the free-to-play model. I think if you have good enough IP, you can put a $60 barrier to entry in front of it. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's going to be too much of a barrier of entry for people. You know, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Now, uh, 
moving on to a little bit of esports stuff here. Uh, announcement from Upper Deck. This is not the first time they've done this, but it's a pretty big thing for the Call of Duty League. Uh, so Upper Deck has basically established a trading card deal with COD to, I believe, kind of like feature the players in like a limited series set. They did this a while back with the Overwatch League. It was a little bit more limited than this. Um, pretty cool to see like the cross collaboration between a major trading card publisher and uh, an esports league and organization because it only legitimizes legitimate. What is the word I'm looking for? Legitimizes. Legitimizes. Thank you. My goodness. Uh, legitimizes. It legitimizes esports as like an actual thing that people follow because like you know what it is and and so you know they're like well uh we can make collectible trading cards uh from the players almost like real sports and so it's mm -hmm. it's really cool to see the steel coming together for for this league and i i, I think it's it's a cool step it, it definitely has uh some relation to you know, kind of what, what other stuff that's going on with, you know, uh, even though it's a bear market right now, like NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. Like there there could be next steps after having physical cards to to also drop NFTs with it. You know, it's uh, yeah. we've we've actually got a, a topic related to this a little bit later when it comes to in real life tickets or, you know, cards and compared to like a virtual NFT and how the both of them can tie together and how people have been doing that successfully yeah so it looks like these are e-packs there they are online cards so it says they will we, they will be um available exclusively through the upper deck e-pack platform oh so it's it's weird it's like they're kind of doing like you know e-pack e trading cards right that just screams nfts yeah it does. but these aren't nfts right these are through a centralized distributor that has i mean upper deck is a big deal Right, Upper Deck is, they've been making the, the MLB baseball cards forever, right? They do the NFL, they do all of them. It's like Upper Deck is the sports trading or sports card uh, kind of distributor. Um, and they're not NFTs and it's that's okay, right? I, I think it was probably a decision. Are we going to go with Upper Deck or are we going to go with an NFT distributor? Yeah. And they chose to go this way. And I don't really see a crazy, you know, I don't know a problem with that. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it would be crazy to try to do it with physical cards, right? I was thinking how, like, you know, what they want to do is they want to show like a, a good clip from the player and then a face cam of them uh, on the card. So I think these are cool. I think, uh, I think, I, I actually, I think these could be really cool. You know, maybe they, they have a, a super rare card that shows like a triple kill from Scump, right? Something like that. Um, this, this will be cool. I'll probably check this out and maybe buy a few. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And honestly, we should follow this to see if it is an NFT because I mean, at what point did they just go, Oh yeah, these E cards are on this blockchain and then boom, there you go. Like I also like the, uh, the cross between, you know, Oh, let's, let's see a triple kill on a card. And then all of a sudden a clip plays like, you know, uh, let's say the card is like freeze framed on like a certain, a certain moment in this clip. Right. You click on the card and then all of a sudden it comes alive. You see this triple kill clip and you're like, whoa, that's sick. That's really cool. Like that the possibilities there are endless. And I think that's mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So they're not NFTs, but uh, I'm looking at the, the upper deck epac.com. They're not NFTs, but 
it's it's really similar. Um, you know, they're just not on the blockchain. Okay, good to know. Good. Well, we'll see how long that lasts, Jacob. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Many companies today are swapping over, and I don't think Upper Deck is any any different, any different, especially with all the you know e trading cards that exist on NFT platforms already. So, oh yeah. We'll see. Okay, so this is probably our biggest biggest topic of conversation for today, and it has to do with uh, the UK wants to mint its own NFT and push forward with stricter crypto and NFT regulation. There are complications for this that I was just kind of theorizing and talking about with Jacob before we started today, and so this is kind of where I want to take this conversation. Can a government outpace an organization? I think it can. Organization or company. Capitalist systems are set up in a way where companies and organizations thrive under a federal government that is running an economy. So if a company or organization puts out an NFT and is making a ton of money, and then the federal government that controls the economy of the dollar or whatever currency, in this case, maybe the pound, that the NFTs are going up against because the value of an NFT is always proportional to some in real life currency. For instance, here in the United States, most NFTs are compared to the US dollar or USDCT, right? So keeping this in mind... Keeping this in mind, the government technically controls the economy and the cash flow in that country. So that means that isn't there some form of possible abuse of price of these NFTs? If if the company can just print if sorry, if the government can just print money, can't the government just control and price the NFTs at whatever they want? Because they are the ones who set the price of the, like they're the ones who kind of like gauge where the economy goes and the companies and organizations within them basically get taken advantage of if the federal government wants to start minting on their own, basically saying F all these other companies and NFTs, ours have the most value because ours are actually connected to uh, the pound to the U.S. dollar, right? Because the literal treasury of Britain wants to mint the NFT. I feel like there's something there that just doesn't sound right to me in terms yeah. of being a decentralized space when a centralized state, a a country that has been in power for hundreds of years, right, has dominated the globe with colonies all over, has had to give them up due to not having arm- armies big enough – wants to lead the crypto space with nfts i think it's just abusable and i question the legality but then it comes back to the fact that it's the country that would be minting the nft the people who set the freaking laws Mm -hmm. you know i I do hear all of the all your uh (laughs) qualms with this play by the uk you know, I will say that it looks like, you know, I, what I really don't understand is the NFT portion of it. I do understand the crypto portion. Uh, basically, they're looking to create their own stable coin. And that's fine to me, right? Because all they need to do is back the stable coin and they're okay. Yeah. Right. The stable coin will just track the, the peg of their own currency, um, the, the pound. And basically, uh, it doesn't really, it, it just creates, you know, basically an, an in-person currency market or a, a real world currency market. 
and then you know you could have your pounds on the blockchain and you believe in it and you trust it because it's backed by the British government. What I do not understand is the NFT part. Uh, it, 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 the, the article doesn't give us much insight as to what they plan to use the NFT for. Yeah, you know how it's going to be regulated. It, it, it all kind of seems like a, you know just a, an initial statement that doesn't really carry much weight until we see what's actually happening. I agree with you. Until we actually see what's going to happen, we'll see. I'm just, I'm just critical of. Yeah, it does actually say it does say that they're going to, you know, examine the tax treatment of decentralized finance loans and staking, right? So, you know, that's that's actually interesting to me that you know because the the staking thing is really popular in crypto, and it basically allows for the crypto market to move more fluidly. Uh, it allows for more power and more push in kind of the transactional process. Uh, and, you know, obviously EMP is kind of ahead of the curve on that, but seeing an actual government do staking from a legitimate, legitimized source, it's cool and it, it, it could be really powerful. Um, the, the whole staking thing is crypto. Crypto is one of the most powerful ass, you know, kind of features of the blockchain. So it's going to be interesting to see to me what they do with staking. I think it's going to break laws. I think they're going to break <laughs> laws and they're not even going to realize it. And then I, I think Parliament and the people of the UK, uh, who lose, who ultimately lose money at the hands of the government, because uh, in in most cases like this, it just it just doesn't sound legal. But then again, it's the UK. It's not the United States. So their laws are different. If they want to screw themselves over, fine by me. Okay, they already did Brexit, right? So uh, uh, this is this is on them. Um, but I just I, I think this is something to watch carefully. And I think it's something that a lot of other governments are, are, are going to be, uh, you know, trying to uh, trying to take a look at. I mean, Biden uh, earlier this week actually signed uh, or there was uh, something that passed his debt, his desk. It was a very th- small thing that I saw on the Internet. Uh Fifty-two, fifty-four million dollars that is being spent on, uh, basically the investigation of like how to better understand crypto and what could be taxed. You know, we've talked about this for a while. The federal government and the U.S. Treasury is trying to find a way to uh, to make money, right? Like it wants to make money. It's in a deficit, uh, and so Biden has signed something to. Uh, so I, I don't know if combat that's the right word, but, you know, to do something, I guess, for that. So we'll, we'll see. I, but this is this is a leading example of uh, of what it, what's going to be done. I think China I'm going to praise China here for a moment. I think it was a few years ago now that they decided to introduce the uh, their uh, an electronic form of their currency, which mm-hmm. honestly, I think is amazing. I think uh can't remember what the f- form of current, like the name of Chinese Chinese money is. Do you, do you, do you know? The, the yen? The yen, yes. So they made electronic yen that you can like hold on your phone, right? And I think that's brilliant. I do like that. And I know we've talked about this a few weeks ago that the, the U.S. Uh, Mint is looking into making a virtual U.S. dollar. I think that could work. Mm-hmm. It could work. Um, it was, so was China's yen on the blockchain or no? I, I don't think so. I think they literally were just like, we're going to produce electronic currency of the yen. 
basically. I, I remember hearing about that story uh, and that happening a while ago. So yeah, interesting for sure. So, yeah. Okay. Enough of me getting heated over, the, you know, the government of Britain deciding to centralize a de decentralized space. Up next, Dennis Rodman uh, coming out with his own NFT collection. This dude just screams rug pull. I don't know about you, man, but <laughs> no I, like, way. I I just he's coming out with his own NFT the collection. Word? Yeah, you know, you know who Dennis Rodman is. Yeah, I know who Dennis Rodman is, bro. <laughs> okay, okay, you're from Chicago. This is why. Yes, yeah. So, but this this is why I'm saying, is this really a legitimate NFT? Like. What the frick are you getting out of purchasing a, a Dennis Rodman like haircut NFT other than to say I own one of these? I think it's a scam. I think it's going to be a rug pull. Like I just don't see there's no legit like I don't want to be in a room with Dennis Rodman. I I really don't. <laughs> this is a person who has decided to rub arms with the leader of North Korea. Okay, this is not really this is really not a person that I would really want to like be chummy with. And so I don't really want to buy their NFT to join their community, but maybe hey, maybe there are people who do and I respect that, but I think it's a waste of money and you know, I'm not providing financial advice here, but uh yeah, don't spend your money on uh that's interesting. On this I NFT. think it's cool. I I think it's interesting. You know, I do understand the fact that it's not much. There's not much in terms of utility value. There's not much in terms of anything besides the fact that you know, when you said people will be like, I own uh, a Dennis Rodman barbershop NFT. Legit. That's um, it. You know, they're, they're not crazy expensive, right? It's not like he's trying to sell them for a ridiculous amount. I think I read they're going to be $175 yep. each. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of cool that you know, Dennis Rodman, he's, you know, I understand he's, he, you know, he messes around in some places that aren't great, but he's an interesting figure. He's had quite a career as a basketball player and just as a you know, social media kind of influencer and just as a, you know, a human being who does what he wants. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's enticing to me, to say the least, right? Uh, you know, he's certainly known for his colorful hairstyles when he was playing on the polls. Yeah. And I think it's just a celebration of himself and... You know, I don't know. That's kind of, he, he's certainly about that, right? Celebrations of himself. So I, I don't know about, you know, rug pull completely, but I can see a world where it's the NFT gets minted and that's kind of it. Um, whether it turns into a legitimate kind of collectible that's cool to have to people, that's kind of up for the public to decide. But uh, I'm not so against it as you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I lack the utility here. And I think, I think NFTs like this, do not help the progression of the space. I think that's the biggest thing for me. If uh, if I'm an NFT naysayer, this is only helping. I think I think projects like this are only helping me say it's just a photo. It's it's BS. It's not real. It's just it's laundering. It's money laundering. I think that's that's where naysayers get to say this when they look at a project like this, as legitimate or as delegitimate as you want to make it. You know, we can go both ways here. Um, yeah, I don't know. People, people are going to do what they want. They're going to do what they want up next. Uh, we've got this interesting, uh, Las Vegas inaugural NFT ticketed event. So I was mentioning before the cross between like having like a real live event and then using NFTs as 
a form of entry, uh, sort of like a membership or like a club, which is ac actually I just want to drop Zen Sports. Yeah, the NFT dropped by uh, Zen Sports here uh, for for the uh, the main company of our podcast. We dropped a NFT about last week. Uh, and honestly, it's been a great time. The community has been a lot of fun, very inviting group of people so far. The public mint is still live. Uh, we've still got uh, tons of NFTs and we are looking for more and more folks to join our community every day. This upcoming Friday, we've got an Axie Infinity themed trivia night with some really hefty prizes and ETH. And then uh, on top of that, this Saturday, we have a 2048 tournament where uh, people first place is getting like $2,500, something like that. Or no, it's $1,500, $1,500 to click some arrows and potentially get the highest score in 2048. And all you had to do was drop 0.15 ETH on one of our NFTs. Like if there wasn't a better product with utility that has some really easy ways to make, you know, two, three, even four times your money, uh, I, I, I mean, you're crazy to not consider what's going on right now, folks. I just, I just want to mention it anyways. So this big event in Las Vegas, it's the first one of its kind. MGM hotels are hosting this live in-person event, but you need to buy an NFT ticket to get in the NFT ticket does include a lot of different perks and includes food and drink as well. Um, I think it's really cool. I think there's going to be more use of this. Like I could see, you know, events like Coachella, right? In the future, turning to NFTs as a way for attendees to get into the event, right? This is this could be the future of how tickets are sold because what we've seen so far is, you know, the NFL has embraced this, right? Where you buy a physical ticket off of Ticketmaster and then at the game, they airdrop you an NFT version of the ticket. But here we are completely bypassing the physical ticket stage and just saying, why don't we just give you an NFT ticket? And it has all these different perks and things to it. Now that, now that's pretty cool. And I, I, I do love to see it. And I also love the fact that the ticket market and the ticket game, it's disgusting. People sell fake tickets. It's, it's hard to prove what's real, what's not. But you know what's not hard to prove? The blockchain, right? And so there is proof of purchasing a ticket on the blockchain. It's irrefutable. It can't be denied. And so if you're looking to see if an NFT ticket is real or not, Pull, if it's Ethereum-based, right, Ethereum blockchain, pull up Etherscan. All of a sudden, you see the transaction in real time, when it happened, what day it happened, that sort of stuff. Boom. I think it's brilliant. I think it can prove legitimacy uh, for ticket sales. And I think it's I think it's an only it's only a progressive way to make it happen. I think the barrier to entry with NFTs is still too high to really have that become mainstream unless I can take my credit card today, go to Ticketmaster and buy the NFT ticket right there. If I can't do that, it's too complicated for the 75 year old man to go to the next baseball game, buying an NFT ticket and showing it on his phone. If that can't happen, if someone who doesn't know anything about NFTs can't do that, the system still does not work for now yeah i think uh i do think we'll see 
NFT tickets. There are quite a few companies who are doing this. Um, probably a ton of them. We met a few of them at Decentral, which is a conference in Miami. And you're right. It does basically help to solve the issue of you know ticket scamming and you know people scalping them at the games, which you know, the the leagues and, and teams are really not a fan of. So I think it's it's a move in the right direction. It's really an obvious move for the utility of NFTs. So we're seeing a lot of companies do it. Will the companies who started off kind of as NFT ticketing platforms succeed or will Ticketmaster just kind of basically embrace NFTs you know, on their own? I think that's kind of an, an interesting thought and, and discussion to have as well. Yeah, seriously. I, I think it's gonna be something to look towards the future. And hopefully, you know, uh, it does have some type of advancement because you can transfer an NFT to a different account. That's totally doable, right? You can still be an NFT scalper. I, I think that's the funniest part of it too. But then uh, if if you've got to be paying gas costs right there at the gate as you're trying to get into the game, uh, that's that's a bigger issue in itself. But, you know, that's yeah. that's for that's for another time. Yo, look, you know what's for real? You know what I want to talk about? Snoop Dogg releasing some unreleased music in the form of the in uh in the form of nfts on the cardano blockchain now this isn't a blockchain that is as widely used but i know it's still pretty popular and so this is really cool and it just proves this proves that there is greater utility to nfts besides a photo in this instance it's unreleased music man there is nothing better than being able to have some unreleased music that I mean, who knows? Like, could could these NFTs just be private to the people who are getting them? And so you've got like what twenty, maybe twenty. Let's say there are twenty five unreleased songs. That yeah. means that twenty five unreleased songs are going to be going out via NFT. Nobody else is going to get to listen to them except those owners. And then what? Those owners now own Snoop Dogg's unreleased music, right? Is that what's mm -hmm. going to happen here? Like. That's what an NFT is. You are own you are buying and owning that piece of of imagery, that piece of that of of art, work, whatever. So, I'm really interested to see like what the legal implications of this are because, you know, Snoop Dogg, he's a big he's a big, he's a big dog, right? You know, he's he's got record labels that he's signed to. I assume he does, right? I I mean, you know, we talked about I think about he has his own his own record. Label. Okay, so it's his own record label. I'm sure, yeah. He, he's he's Snoop Dogg. He should have his own like a record label at this point, right? Uh, but, you know, last week he signed the FaZe Clan. Two weeks ago he signed the FaZe Clan. And then here we are. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to just gonna drop unreleased music I have on the Cardano blockchain, make some more money off of my fans. And, uh, you know, at, at the same time, it's like, well, if I'm a huge fan of Snoop, then he's not, make, he's not taking advantage of me. He's giving me an opportunity for once-in-a-lifetime experience. I mean... You know, if if, the, if someone was offering me, you know, unreleased Michael Jackson music, you know how many people would jump at that opportunity? Imagine mm -hmm. if Michael Jackson lived in in 2022 and was releasing NFT based music, right? Like, the dude already had the biggest selling album of all of all time with Thriller, but uh, I mean, man, his NFTs would go crazy. They go insane. <laughs> So this isn't the first time Snoop Dogg's done, done, done something like this. No. He actually, like, literally last week, he released or announced that he was releasing a mixtape only for eight coin holders. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, that that was, to me, a little bit crazy. 
right? I don't think it's, it, you know, I don't know exactly how that works, right? Whether you have to buy it with ApeCoin um, or it's it's airdropped to the wallets who have a certain amount of, of ApeCoin. Actually, I'm reading here, um, it was a sale for those who um, owned ApeCoin, right? So, you know, the, the it was 15 ApeCoin for a track, um, which is a lot of money, right? That's almost, that's more than a hundred bucks for a song. Um, but it's, you know, there's probably only a, a set number of them released. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is really, it's shifting the dynamic and the, the economics of the music industry. And Snoop Dogg's probably just kind of testing out, you know, is this really a legitimate strategy? He's probably trying to see, does his label want to basically move in this direction? I think he's probably seeing a lot of positives out of this. I think he's partnering with the brands and the blockchains and the influencers and the, you know, using that to create a positive aura around him doing it so that, you know, when the time comes that he has the next big thing, he distributes their music through his record label on the blockchain uh, and basically increases margins and just creates kind of a, a better sense of ownership for the music listeners. Yeah. This is really cool. At the same time, some people may not love it, but you know what? An artist has got to do what they're going to do to make some cash because it, it's hard enough to be an artist these days. And so I, I applaud Snoop for using the industry and uh, what's laid laid out before him to make the most money because otherwise you're going to be broke. You're going to be broke if you don't. So keep, keep, keep it up, Snoop. Keep up the good work, dog. Appreciate you. <laughs> okay, last but certainly not least here as we wrap up, Doge and Sheep Coin, uh, two uh, two Shiba Inu related coins that uh, you know are constantly following Elon Musk, uh, have really been uh, rising uh, in the past couple days due to the Elon Musk effect. This ties back to the very beginning of our podcast today, talking about how Elon Musk buys a minority share in Twitter, and Sheep Coin and Doge Coin literally skyrocket, like go up. I mean. Uh, Doge was probably at like 14 cents yesterday, and it's now at like 17, 17 cents, like a three cents increase in the past day. That's a lot of money. Uh, and so for anyone who's been hodling onto Doge or onto Sheeb, I didn't check Sheeb, but I mean, if, you, if you've been hodling onto either of them and waiting for the increase again, I mean, here it is. The fact that this guy can just simply like make a meme tweet and cause the the like shit coin to go up or down it's incredible it really really is incredible to see i want to know in the future if there are going to be any more people that have this type of influence because it really is unique uh in the space to have uh one of the world's richest people so vocal with with like the population and then also just like a, a memer he he means yeah. like he he actively you know, is a part of like the shit posting communities. Like he'll just, yeah. he'll make fun of people. Like, I think that's why he has such a big reach is because he is so dynamic. He not only is, um, you know, basically moving the world forward in the most important areas, but he also posts memes on Twitter. Like, how does he have time to do that? It's, it's, it, it and you know, him appealing to all of the audiences, right? Appealing to, you know, younger people because of his kind of funny, you know, Twitter posts and all that, but also appealing to those who have money, who are old and want to see the world continue to move in the right direction. Uh, I think there is no one who has the influence that he does. And I, I don't really know if there ever has been. 
Yeah. Um, and I think I that's think why so. he, he's just so powerful. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. I, I think his reach is, has no bounds, and we'll see how it keeps going as he aims to take uh, flight into space even more and also uh, dives into the uh, social media metaverse as a whole. Folks, that's all we got time for today. Thank you so much once again to EMP.Money for being our podcast sponsor and tournament sponsor. Go check out Sportsia.com to mint one of our NFTs to be a part of our community. We've got tons of utility, tons of benefits going on over there. Check out Sportsia.com to see all the different benefits we are offering because right now it's, it's pretty insane what we're just giving out to people who join our community. It's a lot of fun. That's all we got time for in this video today. If you liked this video, if you loved it, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave a comment below of what you'd like to hear about next time, what you'd like to see, that sort of stuff. But until next time, we out.